This is KMTT. This is Ezra Beck, the weekly share on Parshat HaShavua. This week's Parsha, Parshat B'Shalach. I want to pay attention, examine a short uh, episode in the Parsha, one that I think is sometimes overlooked. Obviously, I'm projecting. One that I sometimes overlook. Uh, but I think it's a natural tendency after the first half of the Parsha, splitting of the sea, and the song of Moshe Rabbeinu. We, we've gotten Yitziat Mitzrayim behind us. Very dramatic, very declaratory dramatic. The great, the Psukim are dramatic, and they're written dramatically, and there's exclamation points, and then the Shivat Moshe, the great song of the sea. So we're, we're anxious. We, we, we know we're heading for Hasinai. We're ready for Parshat Yitro. Okay, there are some interesting things at the end of the Parsha of Bishalach as well. Um, there's the man, long and explained, uh, and uh, and and of course the war, the battle with uh, with Amalek. But still, we're we're moving on. There's a short, very short pasha, right after Shiratayam, and that's what I want to take a look at because it doesn't seem to be technically it's connected, but it doesn't seem to be in place. Uh, based on we, what we understand about what's going on in this in this Pasha. Jews have crossed the sea and they've sung the song. Moshe Rabbeinu has sung the song. And then it's time to move on. So, you have the following story. Vayasa Moshe et Yisrael Miyamsuf Moshe Rabbeinu uh, took Vayasami, is not that they traveled, but he traveled them. He he drove them. He brought them. Uh, leaving Yamsuf, leaving the sea, they went three days without finding water, without finding a source of water. They came to a place called Mara. Mara means bitter, and that's why it's called Mara. There was water there, but it was bitter, meaning it was not uh, not drinkable. And that's why, in fact, the place was called Mara. The people complained to Moshe, saying, what will we drink? And Moshe calls to God, and he showed him a tree. He threw the tree into the water. Moshe Treats the water. There's a tree. God tells them to throw into the water. The water becomes sweet. And then a very enigmatic verse. Sham sam lo chok umishpat v'sham nisau. There he gave them a law and a and justice. Or the better explanation which the Ramban gives. There he gave them a rule and a way to habitually act. V'sham nisau. And there he, God, tried them. And then God speaks, presumably to the Jews, somehow or other. It doesn't explain how, it doesn't speak to Moshe, it just says, Vayomer. And God said, this seems to be the conclusion of this short incident. The Jews came to Marah. There was no water. 
God gave them water, and then God said, God summed up, God had a message. If you will listen to the voice of, 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 of Hashem, and do that which is right in His eyes, and pay attention to His mitzvot, and keep all His law, all His rules, all of the machala, all of the illness which I have placed on Mitzrayim, I shall not place on you, for I am God your healer. And the Jews then continue. They take away them, and there there's a lot of water. And uh, we're going to get into the Pashat Haman. The next story will be a long and descriptive story uh, about how God gives man to the Jews instead of food in the desert. What is going on here with the story of Mar- And What is the meaning of the statement of God? It's a lesson. It's something you'd expect to be part of the Torah, part of the, the Torah Torah. If it was in the middle of Pashat uh, Re'eh or Ekev, or connected to Aseret HaDibot, I'd understand it. This is Aseret HaDibot. It's before the giving of the Torah. God's already saying to them, if you listen to my mitzvot, which you haven't gotten yet, you won't be sick. So it's true. Rashi brings down what Chazal say, the previous Pasuk, that when in, after the sweetening of the war, Sham Sam Lo Choku Mishpat Besham Nisau, there he gave them a rule and a law and tried them, that this refers to some mitzvot. Rashi quotes, it's based on a Gemara, uh, Rashi quotes, B'maran natanem mikthoshiyot shel Torah sheitasku bem Shabbat para aduma v'dinim. There were three mitzvot in Mara, before, before Sinai. And they were Shabbat, para aduma, and dinim, Rashi Basically, Pashat Mishpatim, two weeks from now. Okay, so there are mitzvot, but so that, that truth is, that's also a question. Why are these mitzvot being given before our Sinai? In any event, it's not literally the Pshat, and it still doesn't understand what's the meaning of this deal that God makes. If you listen to my voice and do my mitzvot, so none of the illnesses which uh, befell, beset, beset Egypt, shall I. Set on you, for I am God, your your healer. If the pasuk had said, I would still be surprised. But if the pasuk had said, if you do my mitzvot, I will give you all the brachot in the world, more or less like the beginning of Hashat b'chukotai, im b'chukotai teleich. Then when atati gishukhem b'itam, and I will etc. etc. Et et et, I, I would understand that. I'd still be surprised because it's out of place. This is before you have the mitzvot. That's part of the mitzvot. Part of Matan Torah should be, here are the mitzvot, if you do them, it'll be good, if not, not, it's called the Brit, that's why it's Brit B'chukotai, or Brit of uh, Arvot Moav, in Pashat Kitavo. But in truth, it doesn't even say that. It's specifically talking about health. Why, why, why are we worried about health? If you do all my mitzvot, you will be healthy. It, it's a good thing, but what about health? What about wealth? God gives those promises later on. What about Eretz Yisrael? What about all sorts of good things? What about victory over our enemies? When we have the real Brit that comes later on, all those things are listed. If you do mitzvot, I'll give you a lot of things. Here he says, I'll give you health. The Ramban points out, it doesn't say that either. Something which is much weaker, and frankly, according to the Ramban, incomprehensible. It says, if you do all my mitzvot, notice that the the, the, the side that what we have to do is rather expensive. 
If you listen to the voice of God, and you do that which is right in His eyes, and you pay attention to all of His mitzvot, uh, to His mitzvot, and you observe all of His laws, what we get in return? I won't kill you. All the disease which I afflicted the Egyptians with, I will not afflict you. Says the Ramban, that's, that's the way you make a deal? If you do everything right and you listen to me, I won't kill you. At least it should have said, I will give you things. It could even have said, I will give you health. It doesn't say that. It says, I will not afflict you with illness. How strange. Why, why is this deal being made? Why is this a deal? Why is it being made now? And how does it connect specifically to what's going on? It clearly is connected to what's going on because of the mention of the word mitzvayim. It's still fresh in their mind, the afflictions of the Egypt. And God reassures them, the afflictions of Egypt will afflict you if you do all my mitzvot, which I eventually, in the coming days, and not too long, some, sometime within the next five or six weeks, uh, to be exact, five weeks, uh, or a little bit more, because they reach a limb on the 15th day of the year, which is one month before Matan Torah, so this is earlier, five weeks before Matan Torah, six weeks before Matan Torah, it's three days from Kriyat Yamsuk, so it's a little bit less than six weeks before Matan Torah. What, what is going on here? So I'll tell you what I think. The Jews have just witnessed the greatest, the most uh, impressive, by greatest I mean the most impressive miracle in history. Uh, we're not going to vote. There are some people who would vote for Shemesh Begivon Dom, the standing of the sun at Givon in the time of, uh, in the time of Yahushua. Uh, I think in Chazal you occasionally find that mentioned as, wow, a very impressive miracle, but I think the context there is that everybody knew about it. In other words, it was more impressive because the whole world was witness to it. That's how it appears in the Medrash one or two places, where people will say, after Shemesh Begibon Dom, everybody saw God's power. Kriyat Yamsuf was more localized, wasn't private. All the Jews witnessed it, and presumably all the Egyptians witnessed it as well, at least until they died. And for sheer power, this is Chazal's example of, <coughs> of the most impressive uh, miracle. For sheer power, and, and when they want to say difficulty, not that it was difficult for God, but it's, it's for us appears to be difficult, that's also the example. Everyone is familiar with the famous Gemara, and there are other Gemara's which use the same expression. Something is kasher, kriyat yamsuf. It is as difficult as kriyat yamsuf. Again, theologically, it's not difficult for God to do it, but but yeah, it involved an amazing amount of power, which at least for those of us who haven't yet achieved full theological understanding, made us realize that God is more powerful than, than, than we thought. The reason was it's almost a, an ironic comment, since it doesn't involve what normally appears to be power. Kasher zivugan shel Yisrael. As I'll say that shatchanus, matching up, matchmaking, the Jews is a full-time and very difficult occupation for God. But whatever you want to say, something was amazing. It's The Jews witnessed it visually and experientially. 
וירע ישראל את מצרים מת על שפת הים, וימינו בהשם ובמשה עבדו. As a direct result of that experience, you have for the first time apparently achieved that the Jews believed in God and believed in Moshe. Among other things, there might be other reasons for God's plan, bringing the Egyptians to the shores of Yam Suf and destroying them. But one of the results is, clearly very important before they go to Hasinai, is that any doubts that they had have been set aside. They achieved true belief. They believed in God and in Moshe Avdo, and they were able to follow the Moshe, and they eventually received the Torah, at least to a great extent, through Moshe, not directly. It's very, very important that they believe, have belief, have faith in God and in, and in Moshe. I think the next part, the one I read of this little shmuz, is explaining the opposite. Is a, is a counter-movement to the glory and the grandeur of what we just read. The Jews go three days into the desert and they run out of water. A, a simple reading of the parasha, there's no censure for the Jews what they did. They complained. It says, Vayilonu. Vayilonu, they complained. Vayilonu ha'amal Moshe. But there's no indication that God is angry. We, we're familiar with the Tlunot, with the complaints of the Jews, specifically in Sefer Bamidbar, and God responds angrily to each one, and, and Moshe has to pray. If it says, Vayilonu Amal Moshe, Leimor, what did they say? There's also no expression of, of chutzpah, of, of regret, of lack of faith. Manishte, they say to Moshe, what should we drink? So, okay, it's not a totally innocent question. They didn't say to Moshe, oh, what should we drink? It says, Vayilonu. They complained, they said, what are we going to drink? But it's a good question, and apparently, God thinks it's a good question, because he doesn't in any way censure them. There's one of two possibilities. Either it's, either it's a good question, or it's an understandable question. They're still young, they don't the water will come from somewhere. But it's considered to be an acceptable question. And God, Moshe Rabbeinu, appeals to God. Doesn't doesn't say anything to them. He appeals to God. And God uh, shows them how to take care of the water. There's this tree. You throw the tree into the water, and the water will be okay. And then he says his pasuk. What you have here is a lesson from God to the Jews that the method of Kriyat Yamsuf is not the method. And the emunah, the faith that's based on the grand splitting of the sea before their eyes, is not the faith that they need or the faith they have to achieve. Faith is not based on stupendous, amazing miracles. One, perhaps because they're not going to happen that often. But two, because uh, God could do it all the time. It's not the right kind of faith. And that's what you have here. They go three days into the desert and they run out of water. Apparently the plan is that they should go from, from well to well. In fact, after they leave Mara, where a miracle turned the water from bitter to sweet, they move on they come to another place and there is a lot of water. That, that's the plan. By Abo Elima, the next Pasuk, Pasuk Chavzayin, by Abo Elima, they came to a place called Elim. Tons of water. 
12 different springs, freshwater springs. And they were there. Then they go to Midbar Sin, they run out of food, and, and God gives them the man. They complain and God gives them the man. When the Jews left Egypt, they took food with them. That's why it takes much longer until they run out of food. They had matzahs. At least they had matzahs. Water, you can't go very far without water. And their path is to go from oasis to oasis. And here they came to an oasis, but wow, imagine disappointment. There is water, but it's unpalatable. It's marim. The waters are bitter. And soon that means even poisonous. Not really tastes bad, but literally undrinkable. The Ramban claims, or he, the Ramban debates with himself, how exactly did the tree sweeten the water? The Ramban would like to say, he, he, he suspects it's not the opinion of Chazal, because Chazal stressed that it was a miracle, it was a bitter tree, and bitter water, and somehow it turned sweet. But the Ramban prefers, and, and suggests, and even accepts, that that's not really the pshat. The pshat is that the tree had the natural ability, whatever chemical was in the tree, that it sweetened water. He based this on the fact that it says, Vayitzak el Hashem vayoreihu Hashem etz. Moshe called out to God, Vayoreihu, Melashon Moreh, Melashon Torah. He didn't show him the tree as though he didn't know where the tree was and he pointed it at him. But Vayoreihu Hashem etz, he taught him. Ramban claims that Lahorot is to teach. Vayorehu Hashem God taught him about the tree, meaning the tree has the quality. It has the characteristic. It has the natural property. But no one knew that. So God gave a science lesson to Moshe Rabbeinu to show him that the Eitz would take care of it. Why is Ramban even going in that direction? Uh, which he knows is against Chazal that Rashi quotes. So I think the Ramban is making my point. The whole point of this meeting was that God acts within natural law. How does natural law operate? If you obey God's rules, and you do that which is right, and you listen to His explicit mitzvot, Ramban says it's mitzvot lo perhaps it means something else, but if you listen to God all the time, you won't be sick. Not that you'll get amazing, but if you are sick, You'll be cured without any medicine. You'll never be sick. All the afflictions. We just spent a year watching Egypt be overturned. God is explaining that's not the natural course of events. What really takes place is there are a lot of possibilities in the world. But health, and health is simply normalcy. Nothing went wrong. That's dependent on having a proper relationship with God. If you do the mitzvot, you will not get sick. Ki ani Hashem rofecha. The word rofei here doesn't mean a doctor who cures. We would call it preventive medicine. You won't be sick because I, the God, to whom you're listening, to whom you have a relationship. If you have a good relationship with God, God, among other things, is a rofei and therefore you will be well. It's chosen the nature of health because health is our well-being. Money you, you, you get from work or you get in a miracle. Uh, other things you achieve when you need them. But, but health really means you're alive. You're, you're operating. Life. Being normal. 
not having to worry about disease, God said, is a direct result of your relationship with God. You don't have to have Kriyat Yamsuf for that. You won't have any problems if you have a right relationship with God. And that's something that the Jews don't understand. Because, paradoxically, the lesson that they just had was, was really the opposite. There are a lot of problems in the world. You're going to walk and all of a sudden there's no place to go. There's a, a, a lake in front of you which is uncrossable and behind you are the hosts and the hordes of Egypt coming to kill you. That's your experience. Before that you were slaves. You've never had a normal experience. And what happens when that takes place? Boom! Moshe Rabbeinu puts out his staff above the waters and the waters split before you and you go through the waters and the waters come back and kill all your enemies. Apparently that's very important that the Jews should experience that. I assume the reason is because otherwise they would never have achieved faith. They needed to show God's boundless power at their service, you know, helping them out. And therefore it says, they've now achieved faith. But on the other hand, that faith is not the basis for the relationship with God. Can't be. It had it happened, had it happened once, but now you have to internalize that for a totally different world, a world in which there won't be and there shouldn't be. And it doesn't make sense that there should be. Kolotu brakim. Fire and brimstone and, 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 and winds overturning the forces of nature. You have to live in nature. And we have a story in Tanakh which exactly tells and debates this question. And that story is Eliyahu Bahara Kalmel. Eliyahu and Navi, the Jews, do not obey God. The situation in the kingdom of Israel in his time was that there weren't any Nevi'im left. And the monarchy, Izevel and Achav, have state support for the worship of Baal and the worship of Ashtoreth. And the Jews apparently go along with that. So Eliyahu, who's the only Navi left, apparently has had a difficult time rebuking the Jews. He will say to them, as part of the story, You're all worshipping Baal, as well as worshipping God. It's no good, it's a Buddha The beginning of the parasha, Eliyahu says to God, You have turned their hearts backwards. One of the perushim that Chazal gives to this, which I think is pshat, it's not a drush. There's another pshat, but one of the perushim given in Chazal is, Eliyahu accused God of being responsible for Jewish apostasy. You have turned their hearts backwards. Why? He said to him, look, once upon a time, you did things like splitting the Red Sea. And the Jews believed. And they followed you. But you know, it's been a long time since you did stick like that. Lately, we just don't see those kind of miracles. So you're surprised that they're looking for an alternative? They're going to the Baal to get them so their crops will grow? It's your fault that they've left you. You haven't maintained the same level of, uh, of, of amazing presence, of miraculous presence. I'm already prejudicing the story by saying you haven't been maintaining the shtick of doing makot and makot and niflaot and ototum of timba shamayu v'aretz. So what do you expect from the Jews? God's answer is, go to Harakamel, do what you want to do. I will play along with you. We'll see. 
And Eliel goes and sets up a test of miracle power. Tells the servants, the priests of Baal, build a Mizbech, no fire. The Baal will send the fire from the heavens. I'll build a Mizbech, no fire. And my God will send the fire. Morning goes by, Kohanea Baal crying and screaming and yelling. And ain't kol ain't kasha, there's no response. It's a classic test for the efficacy of religion. Whose God can do more? Wonders. And then Eliyahu, to make it even better, he pours water all over and around the, uh, the altar that he's built. And in the end, God sends down fire from heaven and it burns up everything on the, on the altar and even singes the water that's in the uh, canal, it's in the ditch surrounding, surrounding that. And in fact, it has a nice result. All the people fall down on their faces. Hashem hu elokim, Hashem hu elokim. The entire Amisar that's present there falls on their faces and they all cry out, God is king, God is king, meaning God is the only king. God is, is God is God, Hashem hu elokim. Our God, Yud Kevavke, is the only God, is God. We like that line so much that we've adopted it for the end of Yom Kippur. That's how we finish off Yom Kippur. Attestation to the faith. We know that God is not 100% on board with Eliyahu's plan because Eliyahu has to ask him twice for the fire. God said to him, do whatever you want, I'll be with you. But then, you know, he, he holds back. He doesn't, he doesn't want to do it. But Eliyahu says, you know, please, I, I did this for you, do it. So God sends down the fire from heaven and it burns everything up. Okay, so apparently it works. Maybe Eliyahu was right. You have to do it once a year. Once every couple of years. Something impressive, and then you, the Jews will be, will be, will be believers. Ah, uh, yeah, but you have to read the rest of the story. The next day, Isabel, the queen, whose priest had been killed and slaughtered the day before, sends a note to Eliel. You're going to be like them. I, I'm planning to kill you. So now you'll say, what's Eliel's problem? 600,000 Jews had just bowed down on their faces in light of what he had done and said, Hashem hu elokim, Hashem hu elokim. All he has to do is click his fingers and he will have the entire people behind him and this upsurping queen from Phoenicia will, will, will run back to where she came from because Amisol is now obeyed Hashem. Not to mention that the oh, God can save him miraculously, but he doesn't need that. He has the people. They all believe. What happens? Eliyahu looks left, Eliyahu looks right, there's nobody there. He runs off to Chorev, God sends him, he runs off to the desert, God sends him to Chorev, and he says to God, there's nobody with me. What happened to all the people? Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim. Doesn't work. That's not faith. When you have an overwhelming power of God that you're willing then, not willing, you're, 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 you're swept off your feet, you fall on your faces, and you burst out of you. The beautiful declaration, 600,000 people in one voice, Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim. But when it wears off, which is in this case minutes, the next morning it's worn off, the people are the same as they were before. They've been impressed. God's power has impressed itself on them. They've been swept off their feet, but they haven't taken a step on their own. And I think that's what's taking place in our Pasha as well. It's important to be swept off your feet occasionally. At least once. At least in the beginning, because otherwise you don't know what, what you're even looking for. But now begins the hard work. And here they go three days. They come to a, a well. 
and 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 it's bitter. There's a problem, and it turns out that the solution to the problem is to find the right tree. If the man is wrong, so it's a miracle, but it's a very subdued. You know, Moshe spoke to God. God told him what to do. No show. Nothing to see. And if the man is right, the tree, it, it, they, they gave the water a medicine. God told them which medicine to give. It's important to have a relationship with God. But that's what society, that's what reality, that's what nature consists of. If you have a relationship with God, if you listen to the mitzvot and follow God's way, and He is your God, then one way or another, you won't even be sick. Because the connection to God is life, is wealth, is well-being. And that's not what they learned from, 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 from Kriyat Yamsov. But that's the meaning of Sinai, which is coming up. What you saw with Egypt was an exception. They were being afflicted with wondrous, not just sicknesses. What sickness did they have? I guess you could call... Uh, you could call Shechin a sickness. But it was a, it was a wonderful sickness, meaning it was an amazingly out-of-nature sickness. The, the Egyptians were being afflicted by God-empowered, and you were saved by God-empowered. And that's your experience of life? That's not the experience of life. That's not even the basis of faith. That's the basis to know there's something to have faith in. And that'll get you out of your previous slave state where you had faith in nothing. But now to build true faith, you have to know that it consists of living with God without the signs, without the wonders. And only because it's without the signs, without the wonders, you're building your own faith, knowing that God's spirit, God's mitzvot, the life of Torah, are within you. And we, all of us, the people in the time of Eliyahu, Eliyahu himself, and myself, and I think many of you, will occasionally have this hankering for, why can't you do something a little more impressive than having the sun rise in the east and set in the west every single day? Something like our forefathers experienced when they were in Mitzrayim and afterwards, where there were really impressive things going on, and the answer is, that shtick. And that has to be learned immediately, or begin to be learned immediately afterwards. Without a doubt, it's not learned well, because the Jews continue to, to complain, to search for things. They need an Egel HaZahav. They, can't, they have tremendous difficulty relying on God who is, who is, so to speak, part of nature, not in the Yavadah sense. He's part of nature, meaning His hand is visible only in the invisibility of day-to-day life. It's really hard for them to get used to that. But it begins now. And, and, and that's the meaning of Torah. And it's the meaning of a life of Torah. And it's the true meaning of Vayaminu Bashem of Moshe Avdo. Or I think maybe that's the meaning of Vayaminu Bashem of Moshe Avdo. The faith will be transferred from the faith of God, the miraculous, to Moshe Avdo, a faith in God as taught to us by the Moshe Rabbeinu who soon will be Melamei Torah. A faith that this is the way 
to live? Ki ani Hashem rof echa. Your health is your relationship with me. I don't have to come to do miracles to save you from terrible situations, although that could happen sometimes. And it will happen. You learned that lesson. But the day-to-day life, the day-to-day faith, the one you've constructed, and which you have to work hard to achieve, is by assimilating the idea, im shamo'a Notice the double verb. You will listen and continue listening. You will, you will listen strenuously. L'kol Hashem Elokecha. V'hayashav be'enavtazeh. V'hazanta le'mitzvotah. V'shamata kochukav. No one said this is easy. It's four verses, four uh, verbs, four actions. And you have to pay to the voice, pay attention to the voice of God and to what His eyes think is true and listen to His mitzvot and obey commandment. Then your whole life. There won't be, God then won't come and do you a favor, do you a, pay you back by saving you from your enemies. You won't have any enemies. You'll be healthy. That is health. And that's the lesson which was done immediately in coming to the well with the water. But Avdei Hashem, when they drink the water, it will be sweet. The water will be, will be life-sustaining. Because life comes from God, not in miracles and, and special actions. Life comes from God because we're connected to God through mitzvot Torah and, and, and observing Torah and listening to Torah and learning Torah. Kotov, that's it for this week. Shabbat Shalom.